0: Hi, I'm Pastor Elise. And I'm Pastor Mary. Welcome to You're On Mute. <laughs> if you're going to talk about hearing aids, we need to be recording. <laughs>
1: no. All I was going to say is that like, I don't often think Pastor Mary is older. But you saying something about hearing it definitely ages you a bit. <laughs> I know she's so hip,
0: she's so young and hip. It's hard to <laughs> it's hard it's hard to, it's hard to hard to remember that she's a a, a crotchety sixty six year old. I know, <laughs> pushing seventy, pushing
2: seventy. Oh, well, listen! I was when I was out riding my bike today. I thought it was so funny, Sarah, because I. Sent a selfie to the girls, you know, like, oh, it's a great day to be biking out at Saluda Shoals, and they just told me how cute looking I was.
0: <laughs> Aww, so cute! Hold on, let me get it. She's I got know. her little crooked helmet on, and
2: but I thought, <laughs> and her
0: little glasses,
2: her sunglasses were kind of crooked, you
0: know. So. <laughs> sunglasses were kind of crooked, and Skylar got a little helmet on. <laughs> I'll have to that post this precious. picture along with the episode.
2: Oh, it's please just, do! It's just so But I <laughs> thought maybe for my seventieth birthday, this is what I was thinking while I was biking, that I would have a seventieth portrait made. You know, kind of like, kind of like Princess Kate did for her fortieth. Just that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> <Sure>. As one <laughs> does, as one does, <laughs> everyone does. Because we Where are were you on... Hank said
2: portrait. Yeah. Oh, it could be a selfie. I mean, I'm not <laughs> who,
0: who will inherit said portrait? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I don't mean that. I don't mean like a painting on the wall. I mean like this photograph.
0: You want so to like get like a like, like a professional photo shoot? Maybe you can do it out at the farm. I could. can. You can book them for a photo shoot. They do it all. Do they? <laughs> You can even put a little piglet on your lap. Mm. <laughs> you, have have right, but... <laughs> you have to time that one right. Got to time that one just right, <laughs> or they can just surround you with dogs. Yes,
2: any of that, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: We but, have we have five goldens in our house right now, of which golly. three we own. So that's why I'm in Romney's room with like doors shut. <laughs> just crossing my fingers. I know. Down. I know.
0: <laughs> So So what are we talking
2: about today, girls?
1: (laughs) I have
2: no idea. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Don't go all don't go all boomer on us because that's always (laughs) my thing. Like I want to make a list of what you know the topics are and all of this, Mm -hmm.
0: and and Elise is always like,
2: "We're just going to talk about blah blah
0: blah." Okay. So I mean, always works out. It does well. I think we think it does it's a conversational podcast. Okay. That's the backbone of this damn thing. We're not trying to teach we're not, anybody. We're not trying time. to, yeah, we're not trying to do a lecture on, on anything, but um, well, we have been, I feel like we've been teasing this interview with you for a long time, Sarah, you, yeah, you've, you've come been up. really know. hard to
3: schedule.
0: <laughs> I've been avoiding. <laughs> <laughs> you've been hard to pin down. Um, but we finally got you in the, in, and, uh, we're, we're excited for it, but, (laughs) but no, well, so some of the things that have come up, uh, talking to other people, especially interviewing at the South Carolina Synod was like the role of deacons and how, Mm -hmm. um, in the greater church, especially now, um, uh, that everyone's kind of on the same roster and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And what she's trying
2: to say is that people don't know what it is.
0: People don't know what it is and they don't know. Right, and, and when, and when a deacon is at a church, there's usually a lot of confusion about like what they do, can they, or can't they do, um, mm-hmm. like, uh, preside at the table, preside over communion. It is a lot has changed in like the role of deacon and the definition of it, especially with the rosters and adding the ordination and, right. um, and also like mm-hmm. you just lead a very interesting life and you do, we think um, you're
2: just awesome. And. and and you're one of our you know one of our dozens of regular listeners around the world so that's right
0: exactly (laughs) i know i love when we post an episode and i get the text message of your your reaction to it
2: right (laughs) a picture of you listening to it that's great
1: let you know which part made me laugh exactly yeah or which part you were like why did you call me out again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I was, I was only mildly getting sick of those <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i mean you're one of our primary um uh people in common you know you're mm. my you're one of my bffs and you know my mom would try to claim you're her friend too um <laughs> I only with permission only with permission but um but uh, but yeah, so I, I thought this would be a great, like, what is a deacon and what do they do, uh, kind of episode, but also just kind of a, here's this really cool person doing really cool things in life mm-hmm. and our church and just kind of an opportunity for you to tell your story as well as someone who is doing really important ministry in kind of a, uh, non-traditional way. But also mm-hmm. incredibly traditional because farming is like, you know, the root of civil, civil, civilization. <laughs> it's
2: like the first human job.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, so you yeah, I need it to survive, but it's really not a big deal. Yeah, I know. Uh, exactly. <laughs> we
0: only all rely on farmers every single day, but you know, whatever.
1: Well, um, as, as
2: the older person here, um, I can also say... <laughs> You know, talking about, you know, kind of the confusion of deacon, pastor, whatever, what does it all mean? The church in my lifetime, here again, 66 years, um, has continually studied the issue of ministry uh, because we don't know what it is (laughs) (laughs) And, and we don't know how to express it. You know, and in fact, there was, you know, the ordination of women in our um, denominational part of the world uh, came about in 1970. And it wasn't because they said about st- the church, said about studying whether women could be pastors. It came about in the context of this bigger study of ministry in general that they were doing. And it was actually the, um, the women's organization auxiliary of the church that said, we want you to look also at women being pastors. But that was not what they set out to do. So here again, and then when the ELCA started, the first thing we did was have a six year study of ministry, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and it came out with some stuff, but then we started looking at, you know, deacons anew and all that. So it's always been, it's always been confusing for people, and maybe it's because of our Lutheran theology, where, you know, we say that we are the priesthood of all believers, and that by our baptism, um, you know, we all have a calling. And then, what does that look like? Well, what if your what if your calling is to be um, a professional leader of a church? What does that mean, and how do we live that out? So, could we confusing. say that
0: Katie Luther might have been the first Lutheran deacon? I think so. <laughs> The actual deacon, though, had no expression come across her face whatsoever. <laughs> there was no excitement, no light in her eyes. Just no, like, oh man, hair. I'm a faith ancestor. <laughs> yeah, no, but also there's the difference between like a roster deacon and a deaconess, because like there's a, a deep deaconess culture at like Valparaiso University. And things like that. And so there's just kind of all this like unknown world that kind of doesn't really get any credit, especially Mm -hmm. in the Lutheran church. Because I think when a lot of people hear deacon, they think of like the Baptist tradition of lay leaders being deacons or deacons being kind of these like junior pastors or something in the Baptist church. And so. um,
2: Yeah, and it's a step toward,
0: you know, being a pastor, almost like an intern or something. Right. Whereas like in the Lutheran tradition, it has now more recently become um, or was always, but now is finally being understood as uh, an equally rostered and ordainable call, just a different context. What did Katie Justice say? She talked about like pastors. Prepare... We of... Yeah. She said pastors prepare people to go out into the world and deacons meet them there. Something like that. I think it was something like that. Yeah, I did like that a lot.
2: Because she talked about, you know, what do you wish, <laughs> you know, because we, when we interviewed people at Senate Assembly, we asked them all, what do you wish the church would um, stop doing and what do you wish it would start doing? Mm-hmm. yeah and and when we interviewed uh when we interviewed katie justice um who is a deacon she she said you know one of the things that she wished we would start doing i think was to understand the role of deacons more but yeah. well so at um do you want to kind of start the official podcast and introduce sarah and all that good stuff sure yeah
0: um absolutely we have to <laughs> start don't be nervous you're just talking with us you're just talking to us it's all one the only two people listening to this conversation right now are are just us uh, yeah us listening and probably adam
2: and if something weird happens we'll edit (laughs) it out
0: yeah exactly (laughs) yeah
2: and all your and all your dogs are also i'm sure they're going to critique you at the end
0: oh yeah No, all of the, anything can be edited out and, uh, and all of that. So don't be nervous. We're just, we're just chatting. Um, (laughs) but, but yeah, I will go ahead and, um, we've been, (laughs) we've been talking a lot about her, but now we're actually going to give her (laughs) a chance to speak. Uh, Sarah Bowers is joining you're on mute today and we are so, so excited to, to welcome her on who knows what we're going to talk about, but our goal (laughs) is for Sarah to share a little bit about her and her husband's ministry of farming, um, and sustainability. And then also, uh, Sarah is an ordained deacon in the ELCA and, uh, she's a pretty badass lady. So we're really excited to have her on, uh, to kind of tell us her story. And, um, and what kind of ministry she, she partakes in on a daily basis. So welcome to you're on mute, Sarah Bowers. Finally, <laughs> she is here. We don't just have to talk about her. We can talk to her, <laughs> <laughs> but no, welcome. Um, Sarah, I, uh, would you mind telling our dozen listeners, um, <laughs> how you and I met?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's an easy question. Thanks for starting that <laughs> one. Um, so, Elise and I met in the Chicago airport um, at the bus terminal. Um, we both served as a young adult in global mission the first, the same year, and mm-hmm. I knew her father, father sounds so official, her dad, uh, <laughs> through campus ministry in the state of South Carolina. I went to Clemson, and Clemson and USC did um, retreats and stuff together and that's how I met PFA um and so then when he found out that we were both doing like that I was doing Yagam he obviously knew that you were <laughs> yeah <laughs> um he had like essentially like tried to text introduce us mm-hmm. um and like that we were both in the airport waiting at the same time and yeah. um so then Elise and I uh met kindred spirits if you will I think mm-hmm. and um played the game spot the Yagam based on <laughs> mostly footwear of whether yeah. they were um, chacos or um, any assortment of uh, outdoorsy camp counselors. Yeah, it was footwear. Tom's that are year. <laughs> Tom's.
0: Toms yes, oh, yes, Tom's. Yes. Toms um, chacos have taken over, but uh-huh. in 2011. Thank goodness.
2: Tom's are ugly shoes. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: well, in 2011, Tom's were the um, preferred footwear of the crunchy and so we we yagums are typically granola including men
2: which i thought really looked awful
0: (laughs) wow mary mary's got opinions tell us how you really feel about those toms mom (laughs) Um, boomer doesn't like the toms Mm -hmm. sorry tom um but but yeah so we basically uh we were friends set up essentially by my dad uh, blind which date is, in an airport. Blind was, date the blind airport airport and we were the first two to get to the bus terminal yeah. and so we yeah we played spot the yagum and we we were pretty dead on you know if, the, if they had a big hiking backpack wooden jewelry um <laughs> uh, or any kind of yarn jewelry uh or yeah. beaded something beaded uh and tom's we knew that they were one of us us. And yeah, it's been. Uh, gosh, that was a long time ago. That was that would have been 11, March, of 2000, 20, 2011, right? Yeah, two thousand eleven.
2: So
3: mm-hmm.
0: Over eleven years ago. That's oh, that's insane. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah.
1: So and Sarah, and we where
2: were where were you um, going to serve in young adults and global mission?
1: I served in the UK in the Northwest part between Manchester and Liverpool in a tiny little town called Ashton and Makerfield, which is like a suburb of Wigan. If you follow professional English mm. league soccer, Wigan is sometimes, yes. in which place. I don't, sometimes but I was just in, in Liverpool last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were close so to my cool. people.
2: I was close to ah. your people.
0: Have you been watching? Well, I you're too busy to watch television. But if you do watch some television, there is the a queen died. show. The, the queen, queen died, died. Yeah. Well, yeah. How, how do you how do you I feel about that. that? As an honorary Brit, are you doing okay?
1: I'm. like, I am like. I, anytime someone dies, like you feel bad. <laughs> I'm indifferent about the
0: royal like, family.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're oh, cool. God. They got drama. They're real people, just like pastors yeah. are real people and got drama. So, mm-hmm. right. Exactly.
2: Well, you know, when I think it was in Scotland when they um, had sort of this what they call it, a little service of Thanksgiving. It was kind of like a funeral without the committal, but they did that in in uh, in Scotland, and I watched that on TV. And honest to God, it was like. Any ninety-something-year-old's funeral, <laughs> the same scripture texts that you would
3: expect, yep.
2: singing the same songs. I was like, "Oh okay. man!" <laughs>
0: That's our um, we have a we have a woman in our congregation who grew up in the UK. Uh, she's been in the US now probably longer than she was in the UK, but she still has this like just adorable British accent and um, is culturally very British and. Yeah. Uh, she comes in and does some of our editing for us. Like she looks over some of our written stuff the every proofreading Monday. Proofreading stuff. Proofreading stuff. And so she and she and our administrator are buddies. And so Laura, our administrator, once it was released, looked up the bulletin for um the queen's actual funeral and printed it out for janet like a bulletin so it's like a little booklet and she put like a portrait of the queen on the front like we do for our funeral bulletins at trinity (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like you know queen elizabeth and her bo- birth and death date and i just thought that i mean the thing was thick i was like i'm glad our bulletins are never that thick but yeah um but yeah, as i flipped through it it was like oh how great thou art and oh they did psalm 23 okay and like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Like wow, this. Really uh, is I
2: go to prepare a standard. place for you. Okay, <laughs>
0: yes,
1: a, a pretty standard stuff, you know. Um, I have to tell y'all, I went and like I bought something off Facebook Marketplace the other week, and went. They live right outside of downtown Columbia. <clears throat> went to this apartment complex, messaged them, said I was there, and the husband and wife, young couple, my age, maybe younger, come out and they were explaining to me this porch swing thing that I bought. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm so sorry. Where are y'all from? Mm-hmm. And like almost like exhausted with like, yeah, I know you think our like accent's so cool. He's like, England. And I was like, no, 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 no. What part? And they were yeah. from outside of Manchester. And mm-hmm. I said, I used to live in Wigan. i kn- like, you're my people. And he was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, you, you can t- People don't know that we're from the North. They think we sound the same. I was like, no, like full confession. When I arrived, I thought you all sounded like Hugh Grant, but like, that's <laughs> yeah. not true. Different yeah. regions have very different accents. And I was like, very and I messaged the lady the next day, it might've seemed a little stalkerish. And I was like, I just wanted to say how nice it was. To meet y'all, <laughs> like just hear you talk. It's like just I was like, I can't stop smiling. I went home and told Brandon about it. I was so excited. But he oh he yeah. Like, yeah, we're from the UK. And I was like, no, no, no. No, no, Excuse no. Me? Where I know. Where? <laughs> I had the same experience.
0: Um, this is gonna sound so bougie, but with our server on the Disney cruise. Um <laughs> <laughs> he, he was he, his name was Hans and he was from South Africa and because like, they they have on their name tags like what country they're from uh-huh. and I was like oh my god you're from South Africa and he was like yeah and then I said what what like what part and he was like Joburg I was like what part and he was like Soweto I was like that's what I thought <laughs> I was like, of course <laughs> you are and so I told him I said yeah I lived I lived there for a year I was like down in the southeast though so, Um, whereas Joburg is in kind of central North, but I would tell, like, so we like bonded immediately and like every, every night at dinner, we would talk about South Africa. And when he found Mm -hmm. out that like, I'd ridden Cumbies and like, I like said Zulu things to him. Um, he was just like, Oh man, you're for real. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I didn't just go for a semester abroad and stay in a hostel, bro. Like I was, it was was the real deal. Um, and so, yeah, it was really it was really funny. So it's it's always so great to see people's eyes light up when like you actually yeah. know where they're from. Yeah. So
2: well, well, Sarah, cool. one of the um, just to ask another question about the Yagam yeah. experience that you had in the UK. Um, you know, I think when um, when people heard that you were in the United Kingdom instead of like in Africa or something like that, they were you know because Western people their perception of missionary type things and all of that, you know, it's kind of skewed. Um, But I was, I was in the United Kingdom in 2019. And then I was there again last for the last three weeks. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And um, you really, you really see the disappearance of the church there. You know, um, Sunday is clearly just another day. You know, it feels like it feels like every like little local parish was the church was built either in the 800s or the or the 12th century. And um, I'm sure the cathedrals are all looking pretty good because they got money from somewhere. Um, but the, They're tourists, for mm-hmm. one thing. And, um, you know, I went to Winchester Cathedral. It was totally beautiful. Um But, you know, when I would go into the local parish in the little town that we were staying in or something, it just uh, it was beyond shabby chic. I mean, it was like just felt dirty and moldy and, you know, um, just felt like there wasn't much of a congregation there at all. And so, I mean, what type of can you just summarize like what kind of what kind of work or ministry you did there? Were you working in a local parish there?
1: Yeah. So. A lot of Yagam who serve in the UK, there's a ton of different um, settings in which they serve. Um, I had, um, sort of to connect it to my call story, like I had begun candidacy, um, the like official, do y'all, y'all do do that sometimes where you like explain things? Yeah. Right. Yes. (laughs) Feel free to explain (laughs) things. I don't want to be the one to explain, but I had started candidacy when I was a senior at Clemson Mm -hmm. um, and had... Like gone through the beginnings of the candidacy process to be a minister of Word and um, sacrament, um, and then had put my um, my like term or whatever I don't remember what they call it, but like I'd put it on hold for a year to enter seminary mm-hmm. when I returned. In yeah, the fall. I
2: remember that. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so when I when I did YAGM, I was eager to serve wherever, but also very interested in serving in a congregational setting and serving with youth and young adults. Um, because I wanted to see, like, is this something? Like, I'd done some with an internship my senior year in college, and really wanted to see is this something that I, I think I, if I can't do it for a year, I don't think I can do it for a lifetime. <laughs>
2: for forty years, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and so I was placed within a congregation, um, and like it was in the parish church um, in Ashton and Makerfield, <laughs> with mm-hmm. hyphens and everything, very British. Mm-hmm. And, um, so a part of, it was like, like just quintessential English. I mean, you could walk everywhere. Um, yeah. there was a local chippy or fish and chips, uh, like <laughs> place it was called Jack's Bratz. It's changed names. It's painful to me that it's not the same, but it's okay. <laughs> Things change. We move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my like jobs with the church were, I worked with their youth. I did Sunday school for the children. Now that's like middle school, mostly that Mm -hmm. age, their schooling system is a little different from ours. Um, Mm -hmm. So about middle school, they had a, uh, most churches also have a school. And so we would go in and do assemblies at the school because they're Christian schools. So they have, that was really weird to be in a school setting, um, talking about Jesus, because Mm -hmm. like, I, I think that. Sometimes that can be inappropriate in a school mm-hmm. setting when you have people, but like that's just part of their culture and the community.
2: Right. And so the parents would, know that. They know that. Yeah.
1: They sign, like they choose the schools oftentimes based on the church and that sort of thing, even if they have no other connection to that congregation. So we would go in and do assemblies. <clears throat> My favorite part about assemblies was that I would often do a callback prayer. Um, they had never had a Yagam or anyone sort of like me serving in that position and so with my camp background my supervisor just encouraged me just be you like even like as american as you can be whatever it is that you <laughs> they're gonna in, love it children mm-hmm. ministry, please just do it so one thing we always did at camp as like a camp counselor like you do like a call back prayer um and so like then you can yell and all this like it's not just quiet fold your hands bow your head sort of prayer um And I didn't realize it after the first we were in there almost every week uh, and I didn't realize it until about the third week when the um, like the head of the school said, my favorite part, Sarah, is when. We now have like, oh well, there are 150 kids sitting there for assembly. We like, it's like 150 American accents coming back because they would, <laughs> they weren't just saying the words I was saying, they were saying them exactly saying the like you. <laughs> and so like, they all became American when they would do. Oh, um, how cute. Let's <laughs> like say back prayer. We went into That's the adorable. high school as well and did assemblies. Um, <clears throat> and then um, they did this uh, evening drop-in as like a Friday weekly drop in sort of thing for again like middle school young high schoolers <clears throat> and it wasn't the town I was in wasn't like incredibly poverty stricken or anything mm-hmm. like that but it was a working class neighborhood oftentimes parents were working multiple jobs um like kind of uh like stereotypical the parks really aren't where you want to be after dark and so the drop mm-hmm. in at the church hall like was just like It had snacks that kids could purchase for like a pound or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they could play games. There was an outdoor space where they could run and play tag. We had foosball tables and pool tables. It was opening up the space for a community for the kids to come in and have a safe place to hang out with one another. There was music. Um, And so one of the coolest, there are probably like two big takeaways I took. Um, There are more, but two of my favorite stories from my Yagam year where one happened at drop-in and this kid was coming and had been coming for a while, like a few months. And mm-hmm. finally like talked to me. Cause I was the one who welcomed them every night, made sure they knew the rules, blah, blah, blah. I'm the one who told them they couldn't come back if they missed a hay. like not fun, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me like, what is this place? Who are these people? All this sort of stuff. And again, he'd been coming and I was like, um, so this, like this building belongs to the church across the street he was like, well, then why are we here? And I said, this is something that the church wants to do for kids in the community. And I was like, so all of these adults attend that congregation over there, and they're like volunteering their time. He's like, they don't know me, and I was like, Nope, they don't. <laughs> and he said, well, why? Are, like, why do they care where I am? I was mm-hmm. Like, because that's that's kind of just who we are. Like, we just care that you have mm-hmm. a safe place. We care that mm-hmm. you have fun, you enjoy time with your friends, and so. The disconnect of the church is like people enter the doors of the congregation for a baptism. They might come back for confirmation and then a wedding. They have a legal right to be baptized and wed. Like if if you, in any Mm. of your congregations, if someone asks to be married there and they're not a member, you could tell them no. Like you can have wedding policies that say no, nobody has a right necessarily to get married in a congregation, but there they do. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, so, and sometimes baptisms. most of the time, baptisms did not happen during worship. There would be like five or six of them scheduled for the same day on Mm -hmm. a Sunday after worship. And like one child would be being baptized and the five other families sitting in there were not quiet. Like they were talking to themselves. Like it wasn't, (laughs) it was different. It
2: wasn't part of worship really. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing that has stuck with me forever um was like essentially this was before I really knew him very well, but, but he essentially was like my big brother when I lived in England. Um and we were like stereotypically we were at the pub. We went every Friday after <laughs> our youth hall night because you kind of need I mean like you needed to like have adult time after that. I'm like oh yeah uh, we get you. And so they were talking about being young adults in the church and how like when they would go to youth group in middle school or high school like they were made fun of. Um, uh. their friends didn't understand and it quickly became apparent to me that regardless of the fact that I had to explain what a Lutheran was a lot of times growing up in the upstate like I was never made fun of for being Lutheran or being Christian
3: mm-hmm. and I don't
1: know that I really would have stuck with the church like if if it had been that ha- as hard as it was for some of my peers when I lived there mm. and I said I don't I don't really know how to explain it John T like there's just more Christians where I am like everybody goes to church Mm -hmm. blah 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 and he sat there and not sarcastically at all which he was very sarcastic but he was so like intentional about it and like genuinely curious he said oh like that's awesome are there less homeless people and I was like oh no is is there is there less poverty is there less like he went through this litany of things and I was like no Mm -hmm. none Mm -hmm. of those
2: things right yeah, we're Northern not saying them. Jesus is an action there. We're just saying yeah. we're Christians.
1: <laughs>
0: more Christians. We just claim like to it.
1: check the box. <laughs> yeah, I was like, maybe yeah. it's just more socially acceptable to say I'm Christian. And so it's easier. Um, yeah, or socially
0: anyway. uh, expected. Expected, yeah. that too. Especially in so. regions like the South.
1: Before I left for my time in England, a pastor in the Synod, like whether like really meant it or not, when they found out I was going to England, they were like, oh, a year in the UK, rough life. Um, And I shared that with a pastor who like I love dearly. And their response was people don't understand the UK is just 10 to 15 years ahead of the US as far right. as like where it's going in the direction with the church. And you're going to learn so much that's going to be helpful for ministry when you return. And so it it isn't like the UK isn't as like, Sexy is serving somewhere else sometimes, but like Mm -hmm. I'm super thankful for that experience. I would have loved Mm -hmm. serving my other country that I interviewed for was Jerusalem West Bank, which again, I think would have been, and that would have changed my life too. Like, Mm -hmm. right. The cool thing about Yagam is like you just see the world through a different lens, period, after that year. Yeah. But like from what I learned from Elise from her time in South Africa, or like my friends who have served in other places, like it, their story. It's not intimately yours, but it is yours. Like, Mm
2: -hmm. but it's informative.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, we all kind of share, like my dad said, you know, in a program like Yagam, when you have a group of people all inspired to do the same kind of service that requires so much of your life and changes you so much, you're all going to have a very similar soul. And I think that Mm -hmm. allowed us to understand each other's stories on a deeper level than someone who hadn't done that kind of service um I mean I remember one of my something that I took away from your Yagam year Sarah that you said to me yeah was um because Sarah and I because we were we we became close friends through like the interview process of Yagam and everything um, we were we were Encouraged to find like venting partners um, <laughs> from another country group, right? Not, so that we weren't just like venting to people in our own program. And so Sarah and I immediately—it's like when you—it's like when a teacher says in class, like, "Okay, we're going to split up into partners," and you like immediately like try to lock eyes with you and me, you and me. So the the minute Heidi said that, you know, Sarah and I were like, "All right." We already know, like, you know, you're my person. And so, you know, because of the, you know, technological disadvantages that I had in South Africa, we didn't talk all all the time, but we at least messaged quite a bit on Facebook and things like that. And, um, you know, beautiful beautiful sarah she she I, when, when we said we were venting partners it was basically sarah listening to elise bitch about That's everything true. going on because you know uh sarah is like one of the most optimistic human beings on the planet and so when sarah has something to complain about you know it's bad but mm-hmm. um, <laughs>
2: you need to call the police but,
0: you need to call the police <laughs> but um but i did remember one time you know uh you were Sarah you were kind of venting to me about how people were kind of giving you shit about like oh you're serving in the UK you poor thing how's that washing machine you know and I mean, and, <laughs> and, and that was certainly a joke among Yagam you know especially those of us in South Africa and like Malaysia who were um you know, kind of pulling like,
2: leeches know. off of themselves.
0: <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> but, but we also fought that thing of like people thought I was going to be living in a mud hut, like chasing lions off with a stick. And I was actually like living in a house bigger than the one I grew up in, you know? So it was, you know, kind of, kind of wild. But, but you did say, you said, you said we were kind of facing the same thing, but in different circumstances. She said, you are serving people who don't have much, but have a great amount of faith. And I am serving people that have plenty, but don't have a lot of faith. Mm-hmm. And so we were, you know, because I mean, I went to South Africa. I was like, these people don't don't need me to tell them about Jesus. They're better Lutherans than I've ever seen in my entire life. And so, I mean, my host family was like dragging me to church. Like, come on, we're going again. Let's go the eighth time this week. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it was, I, that has always stuck with me. I've referenced that quite a bit. Um, At different Mm -hmm. times, but but yeah, that was a a a cool lesson. I I think I learned from your Yagam experience.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, While I was there, like we were all encouraged anywhere, like to find a community outside of where you worked, which is really hard. I mean, like it is so hard. Mm -hmm. And finally, I started. I don't even remember really how the connection was made, but my host family like helped me find a women's soccer team to play with. And then there was a girl who was local, like in our town, that could drive me to and from practice. So it, like it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the first time I went to practice, and one of these other like, because again, Ashton and Makerfield, like it's not a tourist destination. While I wasn't <laughs> like, it wasn't like being um, a different race in like a country oh, where yeah. you obviously stand out. But as soon as I opened my voice, I was like, "What are you doing here?" And yeah. um this girl'd <laughs> you like, find your way are, here? yeah why are you in Wigan nobody
2: comes oh. here?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I said, she said, she was like, Why are you in Wigan? And I said, um, well, I'm here like I, I'm i working for a church for the year. And she looked at me and she said, Church, you know, people don't go to those anymore. And I was like, You're right. A lot of you don't. You <laughs> <And No, laughs> realize said now. Yeah. I, I'm not here to like savor, like whatever. <laughs> like
2: because well, Sarah, it's been like,
1: and that's why I'm here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: You're like exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, Sarah, one of the again. things that um, was kind of one of my takeaways from just being there again, um, mm-hmm. because you know it is sad. Um, at least it, it always breaks my heart. At least. Um, in the U.S., but also over there, where it's fairly common to see a little local parish with a for sale sign out front. Mm. And um, but the other thing, so you kind of feel like, golly, you know, Christianity's evaporating here; it's become irrelevant. Except that two things that I noticed here again, my brief time there, going going to lots of museums and talking to people and all this.
0: The recognition Extreme. of their role in slavery and oh stop! Uh, <laughs> these are things she wrote about in her. I wrote about my my. Uh, I read this morning my. Blog. So the moment she, the moment she said that, I've got two more takeaways. I was like, okay, the three takeaways from her article today were <laughs> that small parish churches are closing everywhere and Christianity is slipping away, and then also recognition of past like histories and their. And their terribleness in a lot of ways, and then oh, the other one was um, a steward of the earth.
2: Well, yes. Let me say it a little bit
0: better than that. Okay. <laughs> Subscribe to ponder anew, people. It's a great. How long is
1: this podcast supposed to be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we go anywhere from like an hour to two hours, so we're That's right. we're good.
2: Um. But I noticed, and I was in um, Western Norway as well, and um, I would say the same kind of thing there, but such a bigger emphasis in the culture on care of creation, recycling, and I mean, like in Norway, they've got this fast-tracked plan to um, have no gas-powered vehicles anywhere, in their country in like by 2025. And um and in England, you know, my experiences, you know, staying with my friends there, they've got about six different recycle bins, you know, in the kitchen cuz you know, this is where the paper goes, this is where this kind of plastic goes, this is where the cans go, and if you mess it up, big trouble with the recycle people outside. Oh yeah. But so Seeing that and how, um, you know, part of it, I'm sure, is because they are smaller, um, just geographically smaller, and they have to, they have to do things differently. You realize how big America is when, you know,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we can
2: just put a huge parking lot anywhere, anywhere that we want, um, but they just seem so far ahead of us on that and so much more passionate about it, and it's like they get it. And then the second thing was seeing um, how in your face, their um, exhibits, museums, and all this kind of stuff focused on um, anti-slavery, the history of their, of the British empire basically, and the atrocities that happened there, focus on immigration, I mean, You know, I hang out with people that are very much justice oriented in those things, but we would never talk about it so in your face as I was seeing there. And um, and so what I wondered was. You know, you feel like you know, Christianity and going to church on Sunday and all of that is is kind of fading away. I wonder if if, but it also feels like those are some remnants of the core gospel, you know, where your friend said, So is the world a better place where you are? <laughs>
3: you know, yeah. because
2: isn't that the point? Um yeah. so if you can't say yes to that, you know, well, what are we what are we doing? But um, I know we need to move our conversation along. I just want to say again because we've been using the acronym YAGM, which stands for Young Adult and Global Mission. So if mm-hmm. our listeners were like, "What are they saying?
1: What are they I'm saying?" About
2: That's, what we're, the, That's um,
1: what we're talking only about. only because I would only like this is only fresh. Uh, I'm preaching on Sunday, and so I wrote uh, like I finished it this my sermon this morning. or like finished. You know, it's never really yeah, done. Yeah, it's never done. But uh, re- And one of the podcasts I listened to talked about, I don't remember who, like, they didn't even like directly quote it. They were attributing it to someone, but it was this idea that um, like Christianity hasn't been tried and found lacking. It's just never really been tried. Yeah. And this idea that like, well, we've met, ne- and I know I'm using it like, <laughs> you're welcome. You can use it. Too. Yeah, I'm preaching um, this Sunday too. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> I not. haven't finished my sermon yet. <laughs> and so can this idea a that like, me, what? I said,
0: do you want to write a sermon for me, then, Mom? <laughs> that's well. You
2: know, can Sarah. read. You can read my Bible study. But anyway, yes, Sarah. That's right. I mean,
1: but like it's, um, it's 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 never really been like tried to. It's like we've never done it to its full. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, we've never lived a hundred and ten percent into it. All right, and so. I think it got so,
2: I think it got so screwed up so early with patriarchy and (laughs) racism and sexism, you know, just all kinds of stuff and that, that got built into it. And, um, you know, early on, we sort of kind of dropped the Jesus part somehow. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) So
2: we're just like recovering Christians really.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or like even still trying to define it, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just like ministry. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're still trying to figure out ministry. Yeah. I mean, I, so my, the, the gospel lesson for this coming week is, is Lazarus and the rich man. Um, And we get a pretty, I, I remember. I was reading it uh, in our our adult Sunday school on Sunday because we always do the next week's lectionary as like our study. And so whoever's preaching that next week leads the Sunday school class. And so I was reading it out loud to the group. And as I was reading it, I was like, damn this is dramatic I was like, this, is, this is actually like it's it's an easy to follow very simple message whereas the asshole rich man goes to hell and from hell is from looking hell. up at lazarus standing next to abraham up in heaven being like help me please and the man's like no um and, uh, and then he's like, okay, well, what if, what if you sent someone who's dead to warn my family not to do this? And they're like, you didn't listen. So they're not going to listen. And it's just <laughs> like, Ooh, damn Abraham. Good one. <laughs> um, but then I'm also, uh, going to touch a little bit more on the Timothy reading, which is basically like a how to list from Paul to Timothy of like how to be, um, a good Christian and like how to be, uh, you know, a follower of Jesus. And one of my favorite ones is like, fight the good fight of faith. And Mm -hmm. I always like to tie that into an explanation, um, of the concept of jihad from, from the Muslim culture and, and Islamic faith, because we always hear about jihadists who use that pillar of Muslim thinking in, um, as justification for their violence, Mm -hmm. but it's actually an incredibly peaceful thing that represents people's inner struggles. Whereas like the fight for good faith is a very personal thing. And so that's why it's one of these like very strong pillars. And it's like, you fight the good fight in so many aspects of your life, but only you and God know what you're actually really going through. And so it's actually this like really beautiful tenet of the Islamic faith that directly ties to Christianity and it's, but it's such a misunderstood part of that culture. And so, um, you know, I'm preaching in a moderate kind of conservative leaning congregation in Southeastern Tennessee, and I'm going to talk about a Muslim ten. We all are. <laughs> <laughs> so pray, pray for me. <laughs> I'm not be talking about Muslims.
1: <laughs> the follow-up, the follow-up to that quote about like being tried and like never like it's never really been tried was this mm-hmm. idea um that it's not like our faith doesn't lack proof, but just that we find other things that are more important to us. And so like in the instance of the gospel, it's wealth, it's mm-hmm. security, it's um, status and so it's like mm-hmm. it's not that and I thought like that's something I'm like I'm like sometimes when I doubt faith is it that like I just haven't seen it uh like experienced fully enough or I haven't had enough proof that God really exists mm-hmm. or whatever it is it's like yeah no I just I'm gonna be more comfortable in whatever space I can find that's like make sure that my needs are met and not mm-hmm. uh, others but like the same like it's it's because there are other things that are more important than having this mm-hmm. internal struggle of faith mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. That's really cool. I'm really glad I you might go it up. rewrite my sermon. I know I'm sitting, I'm, like, I'm
0: sitting here thinking like I need to write this down. <laughs> That's well, I'm I'm
2: actually I'm actually googling we'll right do, now I'm who a said a that.
1: Group.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I will say that like when the guy quoted it, he said, "Now I don't like a lot of things that he says," and so like, <laughs> yeah, let's
2: find out who that is. Okay. Was it,
1: were you listening to Working Preacher? To their no, podcast,
0: Pulp- Pulpit Fiction, oh, which I never Fiction. listened to, and someone just yeah. told me about
1: that last week. What is um, it? Yeah. I
0: It's called Pulpit Fiction.
1: Oh, I have it.
0: Oh. I have it. I have it as listed as one of my favorites, but I haven't listened to it much. <laughs> my My true crime murder uh, podcast always beat it out whenever I'm. Whenever does that help you with your sermons? Sometimes it does. <laughs> Sometimes I I have chatted about that or like something that they've brought up. Yeah. But uh oh my gosh, that's too funny. Well, so um as as Pastor Mary says to move us along. Um (laughs) uh as she's googling uh her I'm trying to find
2: out who said it.
0: You're good. Keep on Googling. Um I will (laughs) you handle it right now. I got it. Will you uh will you share with us, Sarah, your and you can abridge this as much as you want or go into it as much as you want, but tell, um, tell us, uh, your story of how you became a deacon. Cause I know you said earlier, you started on kind of the word and sacrament track, which most people listening to would, would, would connect with being a pastor, you Mm -hmm. know, in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you, uh, switched uh tracks to be to do the the deacon track so could you tell us a little bit about that and
1: kind of what went into that decision for you okay and then you have to promise me that you'll cut out the things that aren't important or when i Mm -hmm. get like we will (laughs) Um, before you get started do you want to hear who said it yeah
2: who said your quote it was uh, uh gk chesterton do you know him he wrote Orthodoxy. He was uh he wasn't really um he was from England. He wasn't really uh um look at that.
0: Full there full you full. go. There you go.
2: Yeah, let's see. GK
0: Chesterton. And what a British sounding name. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a <laughs> well, town.
2: and the G stands yeah. for Gilbert, <laughs> but he went by GK Chesterton. And probably one of the most famous books he wrote was called Orthodoxy. A lot of people quote if, if you don't, it's, it's not that big, but it's a pretty cool book. All right, I'll look him up a little bit more while she tells her deacon story. <laughs>
0: I'm not. I'm multitasking. Pastor no, Pastor Mary's like, I'm not going to listen to it, but you go ahead and tell us, uh, no, and I'll keep doing. No, <laughs> I can
2: listen. I can That's listen I and recommend. play on my
0: phone. Cold-hearted boomer man. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, tell us your but, story.
1: So I'm. <clears throat> I'm going to start in present day and then I will go, I will flash back. Mm-hmm. So I, like I think I often um, supply and with it, like when a pastor's on vacation, I will get a call to come in and preach and lead worship. And so I am very accustomed to giving my explanation of what a deacon is because almost every church I serve in. Um deacons, if they're serving in a congregation, are often serving in larger congregations who can mm-hmm. afford a larger mm-hmm. like staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of the churches that I am supplying in are much smaller um and more rural. Um, and most of them do not know what a deacon is and sometimes ask me when I'm gonna go back and finish. Seminary and all that sort of stuff. You're kind of yeah. incomplete
2: oh. in a way. Yeah,
1: I'm not finished. I'm like, no, I'm oh, <laughs> uh, uh, So that, like, it's part of every Sunday whenever I preach somewhere that I explain what a deacon is, and I usually and that's great. choose. I usually choose to use the term "minister of word and sacrament" and "minister of word and service," because, mm-hmm. like, what you said earlier, Elise, that like every denomination has got something called a deacon. <laughs> And mm-hmm. it's not that I want to set myself apart from other denominational deacons. That's, that's fine. Nobody else has to understand my title. Um, mm-hmm. but like, I think it's helpful for people to hear the terms word and sacrament and word and service. Cause like, why is this, um, half finished preach pastor preaching? Right. Um, yeah. well, cause I got, half word baked, mine, so, <laughs> yeah, half yeah. baked. <laughs> and, um, so it's really fun to be able to explain. Um, some people still don't get it and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so a part of my like progression was throughout my Yagam year. Um, I decided that I didn't want to go to seminary. And for a long time, my mom kept asking me like, why did you ch- look? Like, why, why, like what, what happened to make you change oh, your mind?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, I don't know. I just don't want to anymore. So, Mm -hmm. um, I returned from Yagam and was uh, super excited to be what they called a short-term recruiter. They hired on for at that time. I don't know how they do it now, but they hired on four recently returned young adults in global mission to have a region of the U.S. to recruit for the next year of the program. And I was pretty sure after that three-month stint that I was going to find another program to send me to another country so that I could spend another year of my life not entering into adulthood, I guess. That's (laughs) not how I processed it. I just really wanted to like go somewhere. I'd had this incredible experience. I did not Mm -hmm. feel like it could be contained or nurtured by a brick and mortar congregation. Um, while I was,
0: I like how you said that. Sorry. That was like, that was like, that was really deep. (laughs) Damn. Um (laughs) So, Sorry, keep going. I told you have breach? <laughs>
1: um, Love it. So I was recruiting in Columbia at the University of South Carolina with Pastor Frank Anderson, mm-hmm. and a friend. And then I went to see friends who were at the seminary, and one of my friends who is now serving as a pastor in Florida, he said, "Well, what are you going to do next?" And I said that I don't know, but I'm I'm not going to stay here.
3: <laughs> uh-huh. And
1: he said. The church I am doing my field work is, um, is hiring a youth and family person. And I think you'd be perfect. And I was like, not a chance that I'm going to sit with spoiled little kids who can't see the world any bigger than themselves, who that was exactly who I was at that age. And this church, like they were just going to be the same. And he was like, Mm -hmm. no, this place is different. I was like, no. So (laughs) I went with him to worship on Sunday, spoke with the pastor and, um, thought about it. Um, and my friend just kept talking about the heart of that youth group was service. And I really, I was like, you're, you're totally stretching the truth. You're over exaggerating. He said, you just want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, (laughs) they, when they were thinking about where to go on a mission trip, like there were kids in the group who brought up themselves. Why don't we just stay local and do something here? Like all this sort of stuff that he was saying was like, well, that would be cool. Then that would be really cool. So I sort of reluctantly applied for the position. I was hired for it and then stayed there for almost six years. And he was right. That church, while very much still like a South Carolina, like Midlands congregation, um, had a heart for doing hard, hard things. Um, so while I was there, we opened up our building to what's called Family Promise, which is a national organization with local chapters mm. where families who are suffering from homelessness, um, they rotate from church week to week. But you transform your Sunday school rooms into bedrooms so that these families can stay together. The reality in most cities is that homeless shelters. Don't allow families to stay together at a certain age the girl like the young women or the young men the sons and daughters have to be separated from their father or mother mm-hmm. um, so we did that we also um, walked alongside Lutheran Services Carolinas in resettling a refugee family um, and so like along with a lot of other things this church like was willing to let this crazy like a person <laughs> they had crazy ideas <laughs> to come in and it wasn't like I had to like pull them along with me they were willing to see what it looked like um they mm. were there were some things where they're like "Nah, we're not going to do that and that's fine yeah. or they just didn't participate we did so much education about the refugee crisis it was very soon after Trump was elected
0: the mm.
1: like the conversation around refugees. It had just been Mm -hmm. cut how many were going to be allowed. Like all of this sort of misinformation was being shared. And so we took the opportunity to educate people. Yeah. So I hadn't been at this congregation very long before I felt somewhat inadequate in my ability to teach. And so like I'm leading youth group, I'm taking them on mission trips, devotions, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. And I just like wanted to know more. So I um went to the seminary and my first two classes were pastoral care and introduction to theological thinking. Um, and those were the two best classes I think I ever could have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked, it was a mistake, but I asked one pastor, like, what would you take if you only could choose two classes? And they said, uh, like, I don't know, new Testament, something else. I don't remember. And I, chose pastoral-, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I chose pastoral care. And- <laughs> um theological thinking and their response was well what if you don't become a pastor and i was like well i don't i don't know it just seemed like a cool class which like for the record that person was wrong and every human being should take a pastoral care class i think the world of be better. But...
2: and theological so, like, thinking i mean yeah. who doesn't want to do that okay
1: so i probably took classes two classes a semester for two years i guess and um at that point, the seminary said, you have to declare a track. That whole time I'd been undeclared and was just like living life. <laughs> and because I had to declare a track, they told me it is easier to go from minister of word and sacrament to minister of word and service rather than the other way. So I really still had not decided where I thought God was calling me uh, or where I felt like my gifts could be best. So I chose word and sacrament I did my field work at the church I was working I have pictures of myself in the collar um, (laughs) like leading worship on Sunday mornings Um, but then inevitably it was um, my I took my youth to tour Epworth children's home which is a children's home in Columbia downtown right near incarnation and um, there is there was a, a deacon of the ELCA serving there who gave my youth a tour at that was time. that Mitzi Schaefer? Yeah, yeah. So if, if anybody's interested in history, we weren't always called deacons. Is an associates, associate, of different name. associates at yeah. ministry.
2: So Another title true. people didn't understand. So
1: it, it doesn't matter. So nah. yeah, <laughs> nobody got that either. Um, so Mitzi gave a tour for my youth. She was working in the advancement office at Upworth.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And towards the end, I said, Mitzi, would you mind sharing with my youth? Like they don't know that you are a rostered leader in the church. Mm -hmm. And would you mind sharing with them your call here? Blah, blah, blah. Kind of just let her take it. And she knows, and I've told her a number of times, but like the way she articulated her call as an associate ministry or deacon, like it was a light bulb moment for me. She said, whenever the pastor or whoever is leading worship at the end of worship says, go in peace and serve the Lord, and the congregation responds, Thanks be to God. She said, I see my mm-hmm. call as standing with one foot in the church and one foot out, a hand outstretched saying, Come with me. It's not that scary. Mm-hmm. So, like this church meeting the world, which is also what pastors are called to. So, it always gets so like when you yeah. try to really explain what a deacon is, or like mm-hmm. it's, it's fuzzy because ministers, pastors are. Active in homeless camps, like Elisa's, like <laughs> right, you know, like right. where it all overlaps. Mm-hmm. But that was when it's like, that's it. That's that's what it. Is. Isn't I that really great? That
2: a, isn't that great that a light bulb finally went off. You know, yeah,
1: I think candidacy mm-hmm. and seminary. were glad that I finally could yeah. check that off. <laughs> like, oh, thank. I God. remember.
2: I remember yeah. you doing all of that. You know, yeah. I remember you through all
0: those years. Yeah, you guys are kind of like the church's secret agents like our, our undercover cops. I feel like, like, I feel like as past, like word and sacrament pastors, we kind of like, yes, we're out in the community, but I feel like our church communities kind of expect us to be like out there with collars on and bringing Mm -hmm. the church to people and all this kind of crap. And then, but I feel like as, Deacons, you guys have more flexibility. It's almost like you're you guys are far more approachable. You know, like you're like you're like. Well, the their are
2: offices are out in the world, not at the church. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. So it's or it's can kind be. Of this, it's mm-hmm. kind of this and, very cool calling to like. And
1: part of my conversation with can- yeah, and part of my conversation with candidacy at every time when they were like, "So do you know?" They said it way more poetically than that, and. Push what they did all their candidacy people jobs. Yeah. But I, I, I was like, I don't know if I want to work in a church or work in a nonprofit. I had looked at getting my master's in social work while I was at seminary and mm-hmm. working in Columbia. Like, I really wasn't sure. And this idea of one, preaching every Sunday and two, having to serve three years in a congregation, which are two things that are not as boxed in, but that's right. like the historical minister of word and sacrament, you serve three mm. years, and then you can go into specialized ministry. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't like those were the reasons mm-hmm. that I kind of steered away from it, which now seem maybe a little silly. But I'm super, like, I still feel like I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But,
2: so you really haven't doubted that choice ever since you made it.
1: No, I calling. Mean, sometimes it's, it stinks when people ask you when you're going to finish, like you're not this complete yeah, that's like shitty. public leader of the church so part of i mean
2: also, yeah part mm-hmm. of your call is to constantly be teaching about it so
1: and that's i mean i think that's true in any setting like being a i mean a farmer people don't see like it's like I was a, saying, a I was farmer saying, <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah you know I yeah. Just, there's an element of it where i can spend a lot of time and energy getting upset with people mm-hmm. misinterpreting or misrepresenting who, who i am but like also they probably don't matter that much. Like their opinion mm-hmm. doesn't matter. I know who I am and I know right where I'm called and mm-hmm. what the ministry that I'm a part of is. And so it's like, yeah, oh, I mean, you have your opinion, I have mine. That's fine. Yeah. And we've all got it's them.
0: so it's so funny that you that you brought up that too, like having to explain your role in farming and, and how you're a farmer because in like so I've always thought of myself as like someone who always gets Involved in like creating positions or like being the first person in these positions and like having to pull pull organizations or churches or things like along with me, I feel like your role in life is to constantly be teaching people (laughs) about things that they don't quite understand like you're constantly teaching about the role of deacons in the church. You're constantly teaching about the role of farmers in communities. And that was kind of a, a calling. I think you got thrown into more than you chose. Married but.
2: into. Married, Married into,
0: into farming. farming. <laughs>
1: yeah. Reluctantly, exactly. you Reluctantly. Reluctant farmers. No. Yeah. Speaking
0: <laughs> of another great blog. But, and then also like your role as, you know, a foster parent and, and, a, and adoption and adoption and all of that. I mean, you are constantly educating people um, on things that they've probably been curious about for a long, long time, but have either been too afraid to ask certain questions or just have never come across anyone who has a deep knowledge of it. And so, um, you're, you, you're in Brandon's farm, Bowers farm in Palm South Carolina, check out their new logo y'all. It's awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, but you guys take not just how you farm seriously, but you take how you, interact with your community very seriously as well and you guys have probably created one of the most open and um educational functioning farms at least i've ever seen i mean and i'm not necessarily like big in the farm world so uh, <laughs> but i hope that comes out as a, as the compliment i mean it to be um because you guys do summer camps you have at you do your location for ag art tours. You have the Airbnb, you host people all the time. Will you tell us a little bit more about, um, your farming story and maybe (laughs) how that ties into your overall calling of ministry?
1: Yeah. So, um, Brandon and I met in college and the joke then was that our campus pastor in some way or another tried to say that we would be a good match. And I was like, no chance that kid's never leaving Pomeria. I'm gonna <laughs> live all across the world. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, he hasn't left Pomeria. So I was right. Yeah. I was just wrong about <laughs> where I would be. Yeah. Um, so, part of like when I got back from Yagum, he was, Brandon was living in the Midlands. And um, so we reconnected, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. But Brandon's always wanted to be in agriculture. He's always had a passion and love for animals and farming. Um, It's always been a love that's been deeply rooted in his faith. Um, That's how he articulates it as a vocation that we are called to steward creation, not dominate over it. Um, And that that has only grown. Um, But it was always like, that's cool. You farm. That's great. Don't ever expect it to be my thing.
3: Um, yeah. <laughs> farming's scary.
1: There's not a regular uh, paycheck. There's so much to do with like the rain and and <laughs> just nature in general. Like it's you're at the mercy of so many different elements. um I also really liked that he had good jobs off farm. Um, we like we both up until recently have both worked full time off the farm, um, and um so farming was great, but like, don't ever expect it to be my thing. And don't ever expect it to be your full-time thing. Yeah. It um, was kind of like the under like the foot.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is and a really cool underneath. hobby of yours.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Side gig, uh-huh. yeah. except it's so, actually a way of life, right. For the yeah, whole family.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, so it most certainly is. And it was, it's been slow. Um, I joke about like being the reluctant farmer's wife. Um And I definitely was. And still, like, I'm like, do you know how much more convenient it would be to live near a target or to, like, (laughs) not on any holiday or when a hurricane's coming through to have to go feed and take care of animals? Like, most people don't have to worry about these things. Mm -hmm. And that's not- to go
2: on vacation when you're a farmer.
1: Yes. Vacation. Huge. That would be wonderful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we have a great village around us that, like, helps with certain things. But day-to-day, it is, like, it never stops. Like, farmers don't- they don't stop.
2: You've got these Um, other living beings that you're having to take care of.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's been slow and like my coming around and it's been a matter of finding where I fit into it. Um, in the beginning, I didn't like not knowing everything, which I Mm -hmm. don't know everything about anything. Um, Mm -hmm. but I hated when people would ask me questions. I would also Mm -hmm. hate it when people would just assume I didn't know things. I was like, how dare you? like you Mm -hmm. don't know that I don't know that right um one of the big turning points for me was a story of a um and just the idea of our farm and what it could offer to other people um was Brandon got this phone call from someone wanting he had listed some goats on Craigslist farmers still use Craigslist (laughs) Um yep. <laughs> and also goat, for those who don't know, is one of the like world's most commonly eat consumed meats,
0: mm-hmm. just isn't in the
1: United States. So most cultures eat goat meat often. Um Brandon couldn't really understand the person on the other end of the phone, which again, oftentimes they were from a different country. English was their second language, this wasn't uncommon. Brandon finally figured out a day for them to come out to the farm. They came out on this like Ford Taurus with a husband, wife. uh, like older son and then two young daughters all in this Ford Taurus. And Brandon quickly realizes this goat is likely not leaving the farm alive, Um, (laughs) which is fine. And was also not something new,
3: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. but they, um, Brandon had brought all the goats up. They picked which one they wanted. Brandon tried to catch the goat. Um, It like made its normal distressed sound the man was like, no, 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 no. Like, let it go. Let it go. Um, And eventually the husband asked, can my son catch it? And Brandon said, sure, that's fine. Like you keep complaining about how I'm doing it. You do it yourself. (laughs) So the son caught the goat and in conversation, Brandon, with the dad was trying to ask Brandon if they could, um, there's this beautiful rock underneath one of the trees in our front pasture and eventually Brandon understood that he was asking if he could go process the animal over there. Brandon was a little bit unsure about it, but said, yes. Um, He's like, I'm pretty sure things were lost in communication and translation multiple times, but like, yes, you can go out there. So the husband and son go out there along with the wife and two daughters. And Brandon, when he, I wasn't even there for this story. And his mom said, you're not going to tell Sarah about this. Are you? And he was like, Oh, we're definitely going to tell Sarah, this has culture written all over it. She's going to love it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So they go out into the pasture and Brandon, when he is telling the story talks about how much care and respect was given to the animal. There were blankets laid down. There were, they were praying, their shoes were removed. um, And he said that when they made the kill cut, like when they killed the goat. He said, I've never seen a more peaceful slaughter of an animal. There was never any signs of distress from the animal. They had waited till it was calm. It was this deep, deep love and respect for this gift. And um, later the, um, the dad came over to Brandon and offered him some tea. They were a Middle Eastern family the husband and the son were in a master's level program at USC. So they live in an apartment provided by the university in downtown Columbia. Um, I can't remember what holiday was coming up, but a holiday in which you usually like processed a goat Mm -hmm. was coming up. And so this was like a small taste of home for this family. It was a, they had a picnic out there as a family again in celebration of it. And Brandon like got to talk to him and ask him questions and, all this sort of stuff, and the reality for us and where we live is it's not like look at us, look what we did, but there aren't a lot of farms around us who would have allowed that to happen. A family who like couldn't speak English very well, um, wanted to process on the farm, use your space to do so, like all of these things. Mm-hmm would have been red flags to a lot of people. And I'm not saying that Brandon didn't have like flags go up in his head, but then there was yeah. like, why is this making uncomfortable? or like those But it felt mean. like a,
2: it felt like a ministry instead of just the sale of yeah. an animal.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so when we, um, that was kind of, that story was really the turning point for me in this idea that like, we are so, far I was so far disconnected from the food so we had already processed a batch of I say we Brandon had already processed his first batch of chickens and so I was like great the next time you process I will pray <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'll, that'll be my job I'll come and pray yeah. the animals but it's it's slow it has been slow um but it's just a one it's faith like we are deeply called to care for creation and we need to realize the the touch points that caring for creation and what we eat have.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But then also educating people. And you're so sweet to say about like teaching things, but I just, if I learned something and I didn't know it, I've just always been taught that like, you're not the only one who's got the question in the class or if you don't know, probably other people don't either. And so Mm
3: -hmm. breaking
1: down stereotypes of deacons or kids in foster care or farming like it's just like well I learned something new so it seems like maybe other people would like to right. learn something new and if they don't they just don't have to listen like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you um, can just tune me out if you really don't want to hear yeah. it but you asked <laughs> I know and so recently uh, within the past year we've had our website redone and uh, the people who the marketing group who helped us redo it really pushed us on like what are your priorities and we have four they're welcome sustainability, ethical, and education. And like, first and foremost, we want everyone of every race, creed, culture, denominator, whatever it is, like we want them to feel welcomed on our farm. And I always say like no farming experience needed. If you have a stupid question, I promise you I've already asked it. Like I have asked (laughs) the dumbest questions and Brandon was always so (laughs) graceful with how he answered them and kind and never made me feel dumb. And so like, that's a setting where you can learn. Um, and so then to just have the opportunity to share that with other people, um, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's a, I mean, it's so cool that people get to come and even if they're just spending one night, they get like, people always come out and say, Oh, it's so beautiful out here. I'm like, thank you. So like, it is, it, it, I think mm-hmm. it is too. Yeah. <laughs> and so for people who come out with their RVs and stay one night, like, I'm so glad you got to experience the place that we call home, even if mm-hmm. just for one night. Um, yeah. It just seems like, I don't know. That just seems like what you should do. I don't know. Just, right. Yeah, no, totally. You guys the, are safe. So, we've got the place like come stay right. with
0: us. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and you guys are certainly instilling that in your kids. I mean, I love like all the pictures of everybody gardening and and Romney, <laughs> Romney Ann like picking eggs out of chicken butts. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> That's not actually how it works. Normal. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very, very cool. And, and uh, I, yeah, I just, y- you, you guys really do uh, just conduct yourselves with like so much patience and you're, you're, you, you constantly show the amount of gratitude you have for the life that you're living. And I just think that that's really beautiful, but um, it also has to suck. So what's your least favorite thing about, uh, (laughs) about living out, um, on a farm? What's, what's kind of the, what's the one shitty part besides all the shit? That's a great question.
1: Um, (laughs) It's gotta be that there's just like, I'm really good at doing nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. which after all the kind (laughs) things you just said about me might seem, but like, I was like, <laughs> sitting on the couch and watching movies all day, like sign me up. I would yeah. love that.
0: <laughs> but there's
1: just like, we do intentionally like make sure that we take time as family. And Brandon from the very beginning has been big about like, there are certain things we just do not do on Sundays. People do not come out to purchase anything.
2: Mm-hmm. We don't like, there's, uh-huh.
1: there's none of that on Sunday.
2: you uh, like Chick-fil-A. <laughs>
1: chick-fil-a without the homophobia (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a a little bit on our side yeah oh yeah please do (laughs) Um,
3: but like
1: like will we ag and art is probably is one of the only like exceptions to the sunday rule for brandon i mean we might do stuff around the house like small things but people aren't coming out here to Mm -hmm. buy meat or whatever it is um Mm -hmm. and but it is like there's uh sometimes I I think for a long time I felt bad about it um but a lot of times it means like people coming to us so like family coming to us because it's hard Mm -hmm. to leave um and now it's just like like this is the work we're called to do and like it's just is the way that it is Mm um but like the rainy days or yeah I don't know the days when the tractor tire goes flat and a cow gets out and like <laughs>
3: yeah I mean, we were late
1: to our own baby shower because a pig was having piglets we've missed entire weddings like we got there for the reception because cows were out like I don't know like it's just there's oh, some man. unpredictability yeah. It's all, it's all
0: consuming. It's all consuming and kind of uncontrollable as well. I will say in terms of like having people come to you, once you are on the farm, you don't mind that you drove 45 minutes. <laughs> <to get there. laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh man, this is nice. I can sit <laughs> out on this porch and watch football all day.
1: Oh, so <laughs> Sounds nice. good. I to love me. the porch.
0: Oh my gosh! No, I do. I, I, you guys also you board and breed dogs as well. You've got some of the best dark goldens on the planet. The sweetest dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's a whole laundry list of ways in which you guys <laughs> are
1: involved. <laughs> We're kind yeah. of like a entrepreneurial hub, if you will. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Which is cool.
1: complimentary I mean, enterprises, if you will, because people yeah. want those who are home to take care of their dogs well if mm-hmm. we want to be on the farm more we want to be home more so people are like i yeah. oh gosh, you're home all the time most of the time yes. yeah yeah, so we'll
0: yeah. Dog. my dog Iggy has stayed there um <laughs> hidden under um, the bed most of the time under the bed most of the
1: time she's anxious okay <laughs> she did really well she, was she gets anxiety you know, like, <laughs> oh, it's like this dog oh. hates
0: it here but oh she did great God. No, no, she, she, if, if we had given her one extra day, she would have been like herd and sheep for you. I mean, she, like, she just takes a couple of days to warm up to new, to new places, but, but yeah, well, Sarah, um, you, you
2: also now are, um, a part-time staff person on the South Carolina Lutheran Senate staff, right?
0: Yeah. yeah the, list so of what... stuff you, the list of stuff you do is like a CVS receipt. It just, <laughs> It just keeps going. So yeah, tell us about that aspect about, of your life.
2: That part of your life.
0: Farmer farmer, and mother of two.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so I- Yeah, what's surf- your title?
0: What's your, this
2: is what is a hoot to me. So, what, so what's I your title?
1: My title is creative director. <laughs> is that the coolest title? Oh, That's what I, I say when I introduce it. myself at-, at um congregations I tell them my title and I'm like and yes it is the coolest title you've ever heard so you have um, to explain <laughs> what a
2: deacon is and then what in the heck a creative director, director. of a senate is. yeah it's a big task
0: <laughs> and what a farmer is oh
1: my god <laughs> um <laughs> so we so I my, a good portion of my time is spent on senate assembly and planning what assembly looks like um like Wendy who is our assembly manager I tell her all the time so I'm not afraid to say it here I get to do all the fun parts um and so like when we look at assembly and what needs to be done I get first pick and like let me tell you like schedule and budget not I was gonna on it. Say, like, yeah you're not registering yeah. people <laughs> no um I don't like that's not that's not, that's not where my gifts are <laughs> that's what yeah um and then I, I get to I, Um, And then it's just like from there, it's a little bit of everything. We're working on a synodical project to um, one connection between the world of foster care and the church is that oftentimes um, caseworkers are looking for places for sibling visits. If it's the case where siblings are separated when they're placed into foster care and they're in different homes, they're required to have communal places for those siblings to come together once a month. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's the same place over and over. Sometimes it's a McDonald's, like Mm -hmm. sometimes anyway, but like churches have gyms, they have playgrounds, they have Mm -hmm. board games, they have craft tables. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're working on like one project that I uh, started working on is creating a list and a resource to give to caseworkers across the state that have like it's going to start at least Lutheran and then hopefully maybe branch out to other churches Mm -hmm. of like churches all across the state that have said, we have space and a place where kids could enjoy themselves. And it really all started with DeAndre who like has like is adopted. He's our son. um, And the sweet, sweet caseworker who oversaw his three siblings, like all four of them. But then when DeAndre was removed from her caseload, she still saw the three she very, she does not have to, but she always let us know when and where the sibling visits were so that we could make sure DeAndre was there to see his siblings. And one oh, time once in, you're,
0: once you're officially adopted, you're not required to go to those, those visits anymore.
1: That seems mm-hmm. weird. Okay. And they, they won't, they can't, well, I would say legally, they mm-hmm. won't offer transportation as long as you're under the care of the state. It like, they have to provide transportation. It's not the, if the foster parent can't get their kid to the visit, then transportation will be organized. Gotcha. Um, so like once he was, it was finalized, they weren't going to do transportation and she really didn't have to let us know when anything was happening. Um, but she did because she knows the importance of their relationship remaining intact. Um, and so one of the visits was at this awful, you no know, offense to the people who work there, DSS office in Columbia, cause that was like a central point because his siblings are all like in all four corners of the state and it was terrible like it was the building was like run down the dss office was like i'm pretty sure the only open storefront on like a kind of sketchy side of town like it just Mm. it was awful Mm -hmm. um now they've had visits at bowling alleys and at a park and different happy places but this Mm -hmm. one was terrible so That also happened to be a day where the other three siblings were late because transport had miscommunicated time and location, but that's Mm. the point. And so I talked to her, I was like, why are we, why are we here? here? (laughs) Yeah. And she explained to me that she didn't have anywhere else to go. She was by herself. So she needed some place with like enclosed rather than an open air park where she's like, Mm -hmm. like, it's just harder to watch kids when you've, there's so many entrances, exits and strangers. Yeah, And I was like, oh, would it be bad for a church to host these things? And she was like, nope. And so I sat and talked to her about like, what would be good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's one project. And then um, I also like get to help with some of the ways in which we share the story of the Synod. Um, and then I also got to help recently with like a leadership program called Living Forward that one of the assistants to the bishop and I did, which was really cool. So it's like a little bit of everything and anything that I want.
2: Yeah, Nice. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. There there is some structure obviously. And then like, I get invited to sit in like um, the, our assistant to the Bishop over youth might ask me to come in and sit in the meeting and brainstorm with her. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, I get, I get shared, but then
3: It's like an Enneagram
1: sevens dream. Honestly, it's like very
2: few details and lots of big concepts. So I'm
1: like, yeah. Nice. Oh my gosh. Well, you were
2: doing a lot as a deacon and and have Mm -hmm. a number of vocations in the world, which is really cool.
0: As a deacon and as a human.
2: I know.
1: Exactly. That's a
0: lot of things. So many things. So many things.
1: Oh my god. When you list them like that, there's way more overlap. Like they just naturally fit together, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I get that. You're you're a woodworker and a pastor and
2: like (laughs) homeless outreach person. Yeah,
1: homeless (laughs) outreach. I was thinking of how to say that. A podcaster. Yeah. At one point, (laughs) a rugby player. (laughs) At one
2: point.
0: Shortest rugby player. That was (laughs) short-lived. Four months. before the accident before I broke my face um yeah no I mean it's funny because I was thinking about you know kind of myself as well and and I feel like this is maybe a millennial trait not that boomers are not involved in a lot of different projects I mean my mom has like um, 50,000 things going in going on at all times but you are you are an exception to the rule Mary (laughs) Could. i don't know um i mean yeah i was i almost said something sassy about someone we're all very close to but i won't um <laughs> okay <laughs> it's my dad <laughs> um i'll edit that out um yeah do that but uh But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a millennial trait to like, there's so many moving parts and there's so many different projects. And like, we're kind of the generation, I think also of having multiple jobs and like multiple, like, you know, revenue streams Mm -hmm. and things like that, however you want to say that. And because when I think, you know, like, I always kind of laugh whenever I'm at a community meeting, that's not necessarily like directly church related. And they're like, well, what do you do in the community? I'm like, well, I'm the associate pastor at Trinity Lutheran. And, um, I'm also the volunteer coordinator for the region outreach cooperative. I run the orientation program for the outreach cooperative. I myself do outreach. Um, and then I just like, I'm like, I also created the item of the month club. I mean, and for that, for me, like most of those things are tied into like homeless advocacy and my ministry at church. So it, and then it's like, oh, and I've got two podcasts, one of which is about homelessness in Chattanooga. Um, and um, I'm in a master's degree program, and uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you just kind of like keep and you just like start to word vomit like all these projects because you never know in the room who might say, oh my gosh, I totally have someone you might hook into you. that or, yeah, or yeah, can hook into it. And then you just kind of start to feel like you're bragging, like, well, here, let me. Let me read
1: to you my, <laughs> stroll, my scroll, my
0: scroll of activities.
1: <laughs> I really have been working on this because just recently around the end, we were at like her gym. She goes to gymnastics one day a week mm-hmm. and was sitting next to a mom whose daughter also like they go there in the same class at school. Yeah. And so I, like, she said something about one of her patients, like she was saying my patient, ball, and I was like, mm-hmm. like, well, you're in the healthcare, like, wh- what do you do? And I think mm-hmm. it was nurse practitioner yeah there's something and I said oh that's so cool and she said what do you do and I was like oh um is it yeah
2: what would be the first thing you'd (laughs) say
1: it was like well she's not Lutheran so they're like even just like a rostered leader or church like it looks different in every denomination yeah and so I like did try to explain my job at the senate office but Uh then I was like what am I gonna say next I think I'm gonna say when someone (laughs) says like what do you do I'm like well I'm an entrepreneur, lover of people, writer, and farmer. I was like, that's my my new thing. Whichever one of those you'd like to know more about, let me know. (laughs) Yes, dream big. Maybe one day. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't know. I'm always impressed at like not only your editing abilities with some of the videos you put out, but also the amount of people you get to participate in those videos is also very impressive. When the first time I saw Brandon on one of your things doing a voiceover, I was like, who is this man?
1: He hates them, but he is coming around. I get so much joy. Like it is fun to yeah. create those for me like i know if someone yeah. was like i don't know how you like something i was like no 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 like you don't it's not like it's fun i enjoy it yeah, if enjoy you see it, brandon yeah. in one do you know that there's been a little bit of arm twisting a lot of encouraging <laughs> and possibly a drink beforehand yeah.
2: <laughs> and a little bit of terror probably and, little,
0: and, and maybe some bribery as well <laughs> yeah. he's, oh, he's really gosh. coming
1: around to like being more helpful with this i'm like this would be so cool for the farm and he's like yeah uh, give me a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of
0: plugging all of the activities you're involved in, where can people find you on social oh. media or like where can they find the farm? Um, you know, you might get like five more followers out of this, so You might. Let the people know where can they find Sarah Bowers. <laughs>
1: so, our farm website is bowersfarmsc.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bowers Farm SC. I have, you can find links to all of that on the website too. Um, Mm -hmm. My social media is at the reluctant farmer's wife or at reluctant farmer's wife. No Z. We're not Ohio state, I guess, but (laughs) at reluctant farmer's wife. um, And that's on Facebook and Instagram and the blog for the confessions of a reluctant farmer's wife is housed on our website now. So, I have my own little page and tab over there on the. Oh,
0: very nice. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah, it's been
2: awesome to talk to you. Did it feel okay?
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Again, a little arm twisting and some bribery and we finally got her on. So I know, uh, so, I know. Yeah, I hope you actually <laughs> listen to this episode. I know it's hard to listen yeah. to episodes that like you're on, but, um, and the conversation was so great there that not a ton of editing will be required, which makes my Woo-hoo!
3: job really easy.
2: <laughs> so does that mean you'll have it out on Monday?
0: Okay. Well, let's not get too excited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we still get the I got a sermon to write. I got a house to pack. Like, come on now. So much. Thanks so much, Sarah. Sarah. And
2: thanks for everything you you do and everything you teach us. Mm -hmm. And say hi to the rest of the family.
0: Thanks again, Sarah. We love you. Thanks, Sarah. We love you. Bye. you Bye.